0: This is Defender Radio. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers brought to you by the fur bearers. It's a common saying that animals have no voice, but they do. They can be quite proficient at communicating their needs. It's more that humans have forgotten how to listen. This is a reality that Ellie Lamb, bear viewing guide and educator, encounters often in her work. Black bears are found across Canada, but one of their largest populations exists within British Columbia. Despite all that is known about bears and how to prevent negative encounters, thousands of them are killed in B.C. by the Conservation Officer Service often for accessing anthropogenic or human-created attractants and food sources. Talking to bears, or more particularly, learning how to listen to them, can be a significant step in preventing such outcomes for bears and lead to successful coexistence in communities. Defender Radio was joined by Ellie Lamb to discuss black bears in British Columbia, what it means to talk to and listen to bears, and how coexistence can be successful in communities like yours. I really want to talk about talking to and talking about bears, kind of in in those big spheres, because it's something that people might hear and immediately go, that sounds silly. Uh, You know, I I don't want to talk to bears. I don't want to talk to animals. And at the same time, when we're trying to tell people about who bears are, that's how we communicate, right? It's we talk, so why wouldn't we do that? And that is something that I've heard from you and others in recent years of this concept of talk to bears, tell them what you need, use a firm voice, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Where does that come from? What's the basis for all of that kind of uh, uh, that approach to dealing with bears, particularly in urban areas?
1: Right, well, um, you know, it, came, it really came from uh, experience mm-hmm. um, and also other people that have gone before me. And that's, you know, like Charlie Russell you know, and conversations with bears is something that is, you know, both verbal, physical, you know, your body language, all that. And it's all communication. Bears do the same thing. They're not as verbal, but they can be verbal or not verbal. Um, um, audi- like they'll use their voice, you mm-hmm. know, and they can also be extremely um, clear in their communications using their body language. So the big thing is, I think these animals have evolved for hundreds of thousands of years to be able to communicate their needs and they're not that hard to really understand. So, yeah, so um, they're trying to communicate to us. And I think that um, they read us, our intentions very well, but our voice um, is um, supportive of what they see with our bodies. Mm -hmm. So if we're, Um, if we're if we're nervous or fearful, again, they're not like dogs and that they'll sometimes hold our fear as being weakness and and they can hold that against us. They don't. In my experience, they have not shown that they hold fear against us. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: they're kind of nervous themselves. It's like so I find that um, talking to them in a calm voice helps you and helps them to understand the moment a lot clearer and keeping your body very um, still and readable and not being uh, not overwhelming them with a lot of body movement. Mm -hmm. If you're seeing them from a distance and they see you, then just, Hey, it's okay. You know, and you're just still. And, um, but they do read our, our uh, tone, not the words, obviously, but they do read our tone very, very well. And they do read our body chemistry very well. So fear comes out, excitement comes out, anger comes out, all in chemicals that that airborne, and they pick all that up. Um, Kindness comes out, I believe, as well. They do know if you're one that is not a concern or a threat for them. They do read that, smell that, or simply understand that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's one of these things, again, it, it... Until you have experienced that kind of closeness with animals, I think it's easy to dismiss. But if you, again, break down a few of the the societal barriers we have in our minds regarding non-human animals. So, again, I'll use uh, my dog, JJ, who is uh, sleeping on a blanket next to me right now and will probably come up and clack around soon. Um <laughs> But she and I we, we can understand each other. I understand her wants and needs. I understand how she says no to me now, which is a subtle look away while still like she moves her head away while still looking at me. And that's how she says no. And that was because of an apartment we were in where if I wanted to take her outside, she would have to come towards me. And she learned that if she would look away from the door, but still acknowledge me, I wouldn't make her go outside. And just very quickly, we both understood that. And from that, so many other, and I'll call them conversations, but effectively on walks and at mealtime and all of these other instances, we're suddenly connecting because we've got a couple of fundamental pieces that we understand about each other. Uh, When I call her name and give her a treat, right? So saying her name in excited tone is a good thing. And she comes to find me because there's a positive end. To think that's not true of the animals around us, like bears, coyotes, wolves, foxes, everybody is to me a little, uh, it's a hubris, frankly.
1: Where we get in trouble, Mike, I totally agree. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, these finer communications that we can build with our, our dogs and animals around us, not mm-hmm. just dogs, obviously. Um, I've built them also with bears and bears with me. And uh, But um, where we find that it can get tricky is, when we get the narrative from um, hunting groups or from government that bears are to be feared and concerned and they're untrustworthy and they're um, unpredictable and, and mm-hmm. all these scary things they will eat your children, whatever, <laughs> you know? um, those uh, narratives um, settle deep in our subconscious and they dictate our, our, our actions when we're in those positions. So... I mean, how to remove fear so that you can clearly see what a bear is actually trying to say is 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 a um, is a significant process, I would say. Um, most important is to watch the bear and, um, and and talk to the bear if they are in front of you, and you know and and. Uh, Try to screen out as best as you can fear, but just recognize this bear when he looks at you and that people go, oh, I saw those beady eyes that he wanted to eat me. I know it, you know, because um, you have different people when you're guiding. Someone would take the experience of seeing a bear up close and and looking at, at us uh, as being scary and threatening. Another would say, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, so I mean, people are so different in their understanding because their narratives that they've been raised with and their experiences and what their mom taught them and their basic personality all come together. And um, there you have that outcome of different um, takeaways from those experiences that we share. Um, So, yeah, I'd say that if a person is afraid of a bear, when they see a bear, it doesn't matter what the bear does, it's going to be considered a threat. So it's hard yeah. on bears. Human fear is very hard on bears.
0: That, that makes so much sense too, because, and again, I, I will use dogs as a, a very good analog, I think, in this opportunity living in an urban environment, you meet a lot of people who have never met a dog before, who have come from, and again, in Southern Ontario and Hamilton, we have a wonderful community of new Canadians. And I have on a few occasions had the great joy, it is truly some of the happiest of my life, for little children who have come from different places in the world where the only dogs they would have seen were roaming dogs who were a risk, or dogs that had been trained to attack them effectively. Uh, By an oppressive regime or government um, to be able to walk up to JJ, who stands there. She's a big 60 pound black and tan dog, but she is the sweetest girl. They walk up and they start petting her or touching her. And she's like, "Okay, this is great because she's part lab and that's what labs like. And then you just see that 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 switch for them go. This isn't terrifying. They, they still, they're still going to keep their distance, they're still going to always have worry, but that initial I'm no longer terrified is gone, and it's in that moment that all of a sudden they can now connect to this animal, and they can see JJ, they can see a bear, they can see whoever it is in a new light. Um, But when we're dealing with wildlife, we can't do that. And there's people who want to do that. And there's an argument for it in some situations. And I I feel like we could have a two day long debate on the ethics of it, so we won't. Uh, But what do we do with wildlife in that regard? Especially, again, I think if we look to the lower mainland of BC, we look to parts of uh, Ontario and Quebec, where we've got large volume of new Canadians and people from other places in Canada coming to the urban centers. Um, how do we teach people to have that connectivity, to have that moment without putting them or the wildlife into a potentially harmful situation through feeding and attractants and whatnot?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, and I, I, that is, that is, um, a really good question. Um, how do we teach people about bears without encountering bears, you know, um, It's always a challenge. I spend time, I'm I'm training now parks, rangers and um, search and rescue people that are in the forest, you know, um, community members, whatever, and just anyone that wants to learn about bears and video does play in a a huge role and and, uh, my conversation with them plays in a big role and it can be such an incredible paradigm shift even though they're not right in the face of a bear not saying that being up close is what you're after because that you know to learn about bears you don't have to be up close just seeing them and seeing that they're they're actually very beautiful to watch and fun to watch because they're playful have great joy in their lives and they find it and they have different personalities and they love their kids and you know, take care of them. They're, if you knew something about them, you'd know that they're also reciprocal altruistic animals, meaning which is what we are. Which means they build relationships. Know that somehow, or some time, somehow, some way in the future, they will benefit. So it's interesting. They're very complex and very emotionally um, uh, intelligent animals. And um, so, yeah. But to just see them it's just fun and uh, sometimes just the video itself really draws people in Uh, but the conversation the storytelling is really really important um, to to at least open the minds of public as to what what um, bears are really all about as best as possible you know uh, that is a good goal but yeah, I'm guiding, it's easy, Michael, you know, you see them, they're beautiful, you see them, you see they go, ah, you're on my trail, and I go, yeah, oh, I'm on your trail, and you're on my trail too, but you know what, I'm going to move over here, because you I'm going to respect you, of course, and you go ahead, by, and they go, hey, thanks, that's really nice of you, and they walk on by, you know, mm-hmm. And uh, and if you're too close, can't get off the trail, they go, Hmm, that's awkward. Well, um, I think I'll just take a little dip down the lower area here and a little loop around and come up. And, yeah, thanks for being polite. I appreciate it. It's a little annoying, but that's okay. We're moving on, you know. And, yep. uh, you know, like that's just how, like, before firearms, that's what we used to have to do. We had to figure it out. We had to figure out how do we coexist here? How do we get along, you know, ultimately? I mean, people used to, um, you know, uh, primitive cultures, you, you know, used to and still do. Uh, on the coast, you know, pick berries on one side of the bush and the bears are eating with their cubs on the other side, you know, Mm -hmm. and this, this is what bears actually uh, can do, they can be that, that comfortable and people can be that comfortable coexisting suddenly 100 years ago, firearms allow us to like, not, uh, not ensure that we have a sense of responsibility to nature, uh, you know, and to bears all we have to do is just get rid of them and then we don't have to consider them. And, um, and it's unfortunate because what a loss to our hearts and spirits and, and nature. And, you know, to, to know that we just, you know, get rid of things that we find inconvenient or, or find something that complicates our, our day. Um, when actually this great beauty and working together and working around, and this is um uh, might seem idealistic, but uh, I'm not saying that we don't develop boundaries for these animals. We have to have boundaries. We live in the communities and bears come in and they go. And so, and I just wanna mention that's the vulnerable bears that come into our communities. And, you know, it'd be mom and cubs. It's like the Nanaimo bear hanging out at the park uh, in Nanaimo recently, uh, a mother with two brand new cubs. you know, they're there uh, because uh, she has an injury. I could see that on the video and she's limping. So she's definitely vulnerable. She also has two cubs she's raising. So she's also showing vulnerability because she needs to keep them safe. So she would be there from big bears on the outside, pushing her in, that's why she was there. So I think understanding that, yeah, bears will come through and for a short time stay and then move on to farther reaches of their home range. You know, because no reason to stay in the community. They're not there for the food only. They're there for protection, number one. Mm-hmm. So, people understanding the reason why they're in the community, I think, is really important. And that is bear behavior. They're looking for safety through human settlements and humans themselves. They do that with me as a guide. Can I leave my cubs with you for uh, 20 minutes while I go catch a cup of salmon? <laughs> and oh, uh, man. Uh, and uh, sure, I'll see you in a short time, I think. And um, she comes back, takes her cubs, cubs don't leave. They've been told yeah. to stay. And it's not that super close, but it's in my proximity. So a big old male that comes along and you know, might be one that does kill cubs, might be one that doesn't. Um, that male is more, more shy to me. Uh, yeah. He's not going to be as close. So he's not going to come where those cubs are. So mom feels that that is a safe uh, strategy to be able to have a little freedom for a bit, like all mothers. It's
0: community building that's that's community building in its essence absolutely. of if we are together, we're safe and we can take care of each other.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. That's all it is. Yeah, it is. Michael. Beautiful. Uh,
0: well- now, w- w- when we talk about this, I mean, to me, it makes sense. My experiences agree with everything you're saying across the spectrum of animals. I mean, my only encounters with black bears have been for about a beat and a half and then they turn and run. Um, which is, I think, most people's most of the time encounters with most wildlife um, yeah. is they don't want to be near us. And again, I also, uh, as some people may know, I can be very loud unintentionally and my voice will then carry. So that's not a bad thing uh, around wildlife. But I think yeah. it definitely gives the bears and others a, a, a pause for a moment of, uh, you know, like a, a truck is coming or something. And then it's just me humming out of key. Um, But one of the things I want to chat a bit about is the way we are talking about this. We're talking about bears as individuals who we need to learn to communicate with because we're all in these ecosystems. And I think most of the folks listening to this show or, or reading the stuff that you or I put out in our various channels, generally support those concepts. But there's a lot of information out there, sometimes from hunters, sometimes from trappers, sometimes from the government, sometimes just floating around with no apparent source about how bears are dangerous. And here's an example of a bear being dangerous. And here's a time a bear ripped a door off a shed and destroyed everything inside. How do we balance those? Because those cases I mean, the narrative of them may be steeped in emotion and may be steeped in uh, uh, in a a dramatic narrative, I'll call it. But the facts of those stories can be true as well. We do know that bears can cause damage the same way that beavers can cause damage, the same way that coyotes can cause issues for farmers. Like, these are all truths. So how do we then balance those needs of, we do need to be respectful, we do need to be aware that there can be safety stuff, but we need to figure out a way together.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you can't ignore the fact that they can do damage, you know, oh. uh, to us personally and to the areas we live and they live. Um, so definitely um, I, the, I think the most important thing is to understand that if a bear is in our community, they they're practicing reciprocal altruistic behaviors. In other words, they're not trying to be a problem mm-hmm. because they know that they can't stay if they were a problem. So they're there and they're, you know, trying to heal up a broken leg or trying to get well because they eat something that's making them sick or they're young or they're old or they have cubs, whatever the reason that they're in the vet in, in the community. So I think understanding why they're there, but also understanding that you have um, to create a comfort around. Uh, you know, coexisting um, with these bears in and around our communities, because they're here. So how do we create a comfort? Well, you have to be able to draw some boundaries. And bears don't rip doors off. They don't break in. They don't um, steal and sneak. They actually don't do that, that I've ever seen. They're accessing places they're moving around in a in an intelligent strategic way um uh it, that makes sense to them in order to access things that they need and they're removing things that that are in their way like a door <laughs> so yep. so they're actually you know they're not they're, they're but that builds an understanding of their intentions and not to be a problem so we have not told them we don't want them taking doors off. We don't want them in the garbage. We, you know, we haven't really explained to them through our own uh, communication what their boundaries and limitations are if they're coexisting with us, coexisting while they're in the vulnerable stage in their life. Then they're going to move out. They're not yep. staying there. They have no reason to stay in the community. They prefer native foods. They prefer their own. You know, they just don't need the complexities and the noise. But if they're vulnerable, they're going to take that on and it makes sense to them because that's a way of surviving. So we have to be able to tell them no. And uh, how do we do that? Well, we have to, it helps to start them when they're young. Um, no means no, take that step in their space when they're yearlings or, you know, when they're on their own, let them know that they're not allowed to do they have to leave when we ask them. Mm-hmm. And um, making sure that bear spray is available or a uh, pocket full of rocks if you need it, but just lay boundaries down. They're big animals. So it's important that you understand that by throwing a couple of small stones, it's not going to damage a bear, but you will make your point if you need to do it that way. Mostly they're going to listen to your intentions, you know, hey, and no, you're not allowed to do that. And I really do encourage people to do that, but do it in a safe distance and do it with, you know, bear spray, possibly in one hand, and then your intention's coming out verbally with a firm voice. Remember, when, when, you, um, when the bear is leaving, let them know that they're doing the right thing. Good bear. Yeah, good. That's what we want. You know, don't mm-hmm. keep trying to push them to go faster leaving, because that's where it gets comp- confusing to the bear. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of a good point, because a lot of bear managers, they had to learn that the hard way oh, well, he was leaving. Then I threw the bang and, uh, you know, bear banger and he turned and took, you know, and it's like, yeah, because he doesn't know what you want. And he took, and, and you were complicated to him. you were confusing him. And so there's nothing he could do. You have to give him an out. The out is that he's leaving. Thank you. appreciate that. My friend keep going. You know, my kids are coming home from school. I need this yard to be for the kids, Mm -hmm. you know, so we just have to Lose the fear and understand that there's a few skills that we need to coexist with these animals, but they're not that hard to coexist with, really. And um, so, but we're we're taught to fear them and absolutely. to <clears throat> want them gone. And we're taught to not have a good, safe community if they're in it. We're 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 ex- we're absolutely giving given that narrative to absorb in our subconscious and it dictates our acceptance of the behaviors of the conservation service coming in.
0: Yeah, it's it's scary when that can happen. And I something I hear and I am certain you will hear it a lot and I'm curious for how maybe not how you respond to it but how you feel about it is the concern of disneyfication, they'll call it. And I hope that the disney agents don't come swooping in like through the windows right now because of copyright infringement for me just saying that word, but, uh, they've been no one to do that, I think. Yeah. Uh, so how do we, how do we approach that? Because I, th- I think realistically, if what is purported to be said by the Disneyfication theorem, which is just more or less, uh, anthropomorphizing to the point of unrealistic expectations, um, but we also want to tell stories about who these animals are and talk about their personalities and use anthropomorphism intentionally because that's how we as humans understand their behavior is empathy, right? We, we need to associate it to us or something we know to be able to understand it. So how do we do this? How do, how do we prevent go and hug a bear uh, and everybody, you know, bears are great and they're going to do a song and dance number in the streets. But at the same time, we don't need to be afraid of them.
1: Yeah. I think anthropomorphic um, mind you know, concepts when it comes to bears is kind of my, um, my feeling is that it's a thing of the past. We have learned that we don't, I think us as a society, are learning perhaps, but a lot of us have learned that we don't have the monopoly on love. We don't have the monopoly on nursing our children. We don't have a monopoly on fear and pain and PTSD. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't have the monopoly on that. These are, these beings are ancient and they've evolved to be very sophisticated. And, you know, they have very complex societies and communities and they have, they dish out punishment, they dish out reward. They are... Um, uh, they teach traditional values uh, or not, not, I don't know about that, but the traditional information to their offspring that has worked. And, you know, even food gathering is, is a learned behavior yeah. on how to do it. So sometimes they'll even, like this one female, would take a salmon, she's out in a pool of uh, uh, fast moving water, and she mm-hmm. gets it finally gets a female salmon that's died pre spawn. And so she has all these eggs in her and she's throwing all these other ones away. But she's oh. looking. Then she uses her claw and she cuts it open on the belly, squeezes it, squeezes it on her forearm, the eggs, so that she didn't lose the eggs in the water. It's a learned behavior. Probably wow. her offspring does the same thing. So yeah, I've never seen it. And it's what, what she's taught her. And also where to do that. What pool of water you know, and like the information. So they're, yeah, I mean, they're very civilized animals. And uh, so I think that's really important to understand um, if we're going to move forward in a world of coexistence is that they're not randomly food pac men going through our communities, eating food and garbage and plastic and the garbage bears are as, um, you know, and there's many, terms that are very uh, uh, unsettling that are used on black bears uh, by our government. And we're not, they're not that. They're incredibly evolved beings. So uh, I, I look at it as we're fortunate that we have probably the only place in the world that actually is really working towards and trying to coexist. The ones we're pushing back, trying to push back are the uh, old mindsets of the government themselves. So Mm -hmm. the concern about them being a public safety risk, which is what the conservation service is uh, responding to in general, in theory. But I don't know that for sure, because the cubs that are killed, uh, the huge number of cubs that they actually intentionally kill every year or kill indirectly by not picking them up after killing the mother, um, let nature take its course. Um, but the ones that they actually are responsible for, for, for killing, um, you know, they would have to justify that as a public safety risk. How do they do that when the cub is a four pound cub or a 10 pound cub or a 20 pound cub? How can they justify that? So I don't understand why these animals are targeted by our government. I don't understand that. They're not a public safety risk. They're showing us always that they're trying to uh, you know, establish um, uh, you know, a sense of, um, of, like to coexist with us. And, uh, yeah. so, so I think people can hopefully, um, get a, a feel for who these animals are and, and, also develop a, you know, develop a, a you know, a, a level of appreciation that we are quite unique here in, you know, in this area and, you know, on the coast and, because we are co- we are trying to coexist with these animals mm-hmm. they are sometimes sending off uh, downtown vancouver you know and what do we do with that how do we how do uh, you know how do we manage that we manage it kindly we manage it in a, in a in a reasonable way not with fear and, gu- and shot and killing them but actually we should be managing it in a reasonable way bring them back you know they got stuck help them out you know not a big mm-hmm. deal That's what we do to our neighbors you know and these animals are really just kind of like neighbors in there. And that's how I think it's best to go forward and coexist with these uh, animals here on the landscape.
0: To learn more about Ellie's work, find her on Facebook. Links are in this week's show notes. I want to thank Ellie for her time and you for listening. I'd also love to hear about your encounters with wildlife and how communicating made a difference. Send me the story on Twitter or Facebook at Defender Radio or on Instagram at Howie Michael. You can also email me at infothefurbearers.com. At Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears. Thank you for listening.